Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. You know, I got asked last week when I was at uh, Boston Insure. That was uh, InsureTech Bo- Boston. InsureTech Boston, yes. Uh, too, many, too, many, too many InsureTechs. They ask if we actually drink while we're doing the show. <laughs> Everybody asks I, us I that. know. They, we they get that really, question a lot. So I, I thought I would start today's episode with talking about the one alcohol you will not drink. What is that? Tequila. Tequila. It's amazing that that's actually mine as well. Uh, it, why is tequila like your, your no go? I never, I mean, I never, you always, people, people who don't drink tequila usually refer to a specific experience where it just didn't sit well. And that certainly is, I had that experience, but it, it didn't make me horribly sick. I just realized I don't like it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a question that came up uh, after the conversation and they were asking, so what do you, and I, this is a question that was asked and I said, tequila. And then we proceeded to do tequila shots. <laughs> I don't like tequila. I don't like the taste. Yeah, I don't like the the taste. And whenever you're just doing shots of something, I'm not a shots person. I'm I'm too old for shots. Yeah, I never really was a shots person. Like I would always, back in my early 20s, I would order a double shot of vodka, chilled. But I realized that if you just ask for vodka on ice, that's the same thing. Right. And... So I was really just drinking, you know, a sipping, and I'd always be like a sipping vodka. You're drinking vodka neat. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> who drinks vodka neat? Or like, you know, a, a martini where you sit there and go, can I have a martini vodka only? Um, uh, no vermouth, no this, no, 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 just vodka. Just, I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, however, tequila always seems to be that one that is really just used for shots. Now, granted, margaritas and... I don't drink margaritas. Margaritas, tequila, tequila sunrise, sunrise yeah. uh, palomas, stuff like that. I don't, I don't drink it. it, it it's mm-hmm. almost like you have to mask the crap that is tequila. So with margaritas with for me – With sweetness. With margaritas for me, it's not just that it has tequila. It's made with sweet and sour mix usually and I don't like sweet and sour mix. I don't like sweet cocktails really, period. Mm-hmm. Right? I like Old Fashions. I like Manhattans. I like Sazeracs. All bourbon, of course. And that is a little sweet but it's not – very sweet. I don't feel like I need to brush my teeth after drinking one. A margarita, I feel like I need to brush my teeth after drinking one. Where were we? What, what airport were you and I in that uh, uh, I ordered an old-fashioned? <laughs> I think – were we in Miami? No. No. No, it was not Miami. But where New ever, Orleans. It was it New Orleans, was New Orleans yeah. yes, because we were talking about their new airport and how that crappy that one was and yeah. how the new one was and coming. The, the old-fashioned was like orange. <laughs> it was orange and she made it very and you said it was good yeah and then you know the the bartender that gave me the first one and then the second one you're like oh man that was not as good she didn't like you as much as the first one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't so tequila no no i mean the the specific experience we were in vegas um and just too much, too much tequila, and I just I decided I didn't like it. It was good tequila. Were you, are you it, talking about the time with uh, what's her name? Um, it was at uh, the first the first intro tech, tech. yeah, and it was with uh, what's her name from NSD, Rebecca. We, Rebecca, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got her onto if I'm like if I'm drinking tequila, it's going to be Patron Platinum, yeah. you know, like hoity toity, thumb, you know, pinkies in the air type of stuff. Yeah, but I remember somebody bought a round of shots and brought it over to our group, Casey. I know exactly who it was. Yeah, it was Casey, and, Casey Gustus. <laughs> and by that time, I was like, I was done. I didn't want another one. So I just looked like I took it and then put it down <laughs> because I was like, I can't I can't have any more tequila. I'm done with tequila. And since then, I, I don't do it. People are like, you want to have a tequila shot? No, I don't. No, you, you don't. 
it, it's again, I, I was I, telling someone last week, I'm just getting older and I'm starting to not put up with stuff. Like yes. I like my steaks rare. Mm-hmm. I used to cut them daintily and have it. So <laughs> now the, you just the, pick it up the, and gnaw. The, the, <laughs> no, I, I'm close. <laughs> Carve off what I want and ride the rest home. But I would cut off, you know, the side and I would keep it hidden so people didn't see the the, the blood shooting out of it. Exactly. And I was, and now I'm just, you know, I'm like, no, I'm just. You've reached that. I don't give a shit. I, I have, and it's enjoyable to be there as long as you have a good attitude about it. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to find it. It's somewhere, but I have a, a shirt that says Get Off My Lawn 2020, and I've been wanting to wear it on the podcast because I knew you'd sit there and say something. But um, the, the whole thing with, um, with, with that is I'm like um, – as long as you're happy and you're get off my lawn, then that's the better way to do it. Well, I think as long as, as long as you don't feel like you have to apologize for who you are, right? Correct. I don't like tequila. I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah, I like my steaks rare. I'm fine. I drink bourbon. And now, if we ever if we ever get to the point where I'm like the old guy in the elevator, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was talking about that the other day? I don't know. I don't remember. Somebody was talking about the old guys in the elevator that they just that they just launch scuds and and go at it. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. I, I hope I never get to that point where I'm just like, you know, uh, <laughs> and it's. But yeah, so I'm, I'm getting I'm getting to the point where I just like. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm good and all that. Now we have people that we work with that are very get off my lawn. Yeah, and, you know, we call them old man X, and yeah. I can tell you that that's not whatever I want to become because it's like okay, you know, I'm grumpy. I'm going to sit on my couch and watch TV and <laughs> stream, stream and binge watch. <laughs> but yeah, so I. Before we get to the main topic, we have a top. We have two topics. We have we have many many little thing that I wanted to mention because I just think it's hilarious. Uh, and then the main topic. But so yesterday, I read an article that um, lemonade is in is in a little bit of a legal tussle in Germany. Okay, over their use of the color pink. Really? Yes. Is it for T-Mobile? Uh, not the the company that owns T-Mobile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Deutsche Telekom. Yes. Yes. Deutsche Telekom. Um, but apparently they sue anybody and everybody who is in Germany and uses the color pink of any shade. Hey. Not just their shade. Any shade. Love it. I know. Uh, I, I, it's not that it's Lemonade doing this. I just think it's hilarious that they're being sued over pink. <laughs> <laughs> you can't own a color. Unless uh, you you have a, you develop your own color, and this is Deutsche Telekom pink. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nobody can use that pink. Okay, but there are a million other shades of pink that can be used. Okay, no, Deutsche pink. <laughs> <laughs> but it says um, Deutsche Telekom struck soon after Lemonade's June 2019 launch in Germany, stating that its dominion over the color pink extended to insurance and demanded Lemonade abandon its use of pink entirely. <laughs> <laughs> so they got a preliminary injunction oh, to eliminate to remove the color from its materials in Germany. Okay. <laughs> so they like Lemonade hasn't even argued about it yet and they, they have to stop using pink in Germany. Well, you know, it's almost like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll change the color to canary yellow. I mean, 
mean? What, but but why is why is lemonade pink? I mean, it, you know, I guess millennial pink. <laughs> Didn't you, did you hear that that was a thing like a year or two ago? Millennial pink. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me, right? No, I'm not kidding you. Millennial Pink was a thing. Is the Lemonade logo, is this the pink? I mean, you printed yeah. this off in color. Yeah. So that's Millennial Pink? No, that's not Millennial Pink, but... Okay. I, just, uh, I was going to say this... I think Pink was supposed to be like... Oh. Well, to I, show they're not a stodgy insurance company, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, highlighter Pink, is that what that looks yeah. like? But they're, they're even doing a social media campaign. Hashtag, free the pink. Oh, to try to get people to talk about this. <laughs> I haven't looked to see if anybody's using it. I might, I might after the show, uh, after we finish recording, go look. But I just thought that was funny. Free the pink is kind of like free the ta- tatas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this would have been more more of an interesting story last month for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, free the tatas, take off your bra, and free the pink, drop your drawers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting that they're going to go after uh, people for the color pink. You know, but if you, you know, they're, if they want to claim that there's brand confusion, but if you look at it, look, that L yeah. on the pink is just replace that with a T. Yeah, but I mean, there's... Like when you think of red and yellow, what do you think of? Red and yellow, uh, McDonald's. Okay. okay, but they're not the only ones using that color, mm-hmm. right? Is somebody else using that color combination? Fisher You're- Price. You know, is, the is there buggy? brand confusion between Fisher Price and <laughs> McDonald's? I think I think square logo, pink, and a letter. Yeah, there could be a little bit of confusion, but yeah, that's kind of BS. It's, it's total BS. You can't you can't copyright a color. You can't. So you, can't you can and you and, and people have. Well, but but, you know, you can't having, trademark the whole <gasps> spectrum of pink. Yes, that that is wrong. I mean, I can understand the Coca-Cola red. Right. But that's something that they've developed and designed and said, this is our shade. Nobody Correct. else can use this shade. Fine. Correct. But there's plenty of other people using red. Yep. So, uh, OK, on to the main topic. Also from carrier management. I found this this week, and we've we've talked about this a little bit. And so I, 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 I by the way, I love how I have no clue what you're about to say. Like I'm like completely blind, and so th- this could go off the rails, or I could just go, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the title is the Great Insurance Debate: Who owns the customer, the agent or the carrier? Oh God bless! I'm not going to say a word because I'm interested in what this story says. Right. This is by John Picolt. He published it in Carrier Management. Um, I don't. I can't. I don't know if he is a journalist there or this was a guest article. Um, I am feeling like I did not do my homework enough to know that. Uh, okay. So he's he's saying we're, we live in the age of the empowered consumer, right? Um, and because. Consumers are so empowered these days, they are in the driver's seat. We've talked about this before, right? It's not technology. It's not insure tech being the disruptor. It's the consumer. Who he's a listener. He's yeah. doing the <laughs> – hey, John. Um, he's doing the disruption. And he, his argument is in an environment like this, no one actually owns the customer, not the agent, not the carrier. And says, anybody owns the, com- the customers, the, the customers themselves. Um, 
and that insurance pro- providers should not be asking who owns the customer, but rather who owns the customer experience, right? Because from conducting product in- research online to soliciting advice from an agent to applying for coverage and beyond, it is the ownership and design of these customer experience episodes, he calls it episodes, that matter. And while carriers and agents don't own the customers, they certainly own the impression that's left on them. The challenge, and we've talked some about this, is that neither party, neither the agent or the carrier, is singularly accountable for the entire experience. So because the ownership of the experience is shared, there is um, sometimes dysfunction, sometimes squabbling over what should be improved, how and by whom. Okay. I I could see. Yeah. I, I can see where where he's coming, and I think that that's why we've always tried to solidify the differentiation between customer and client. Right. Is that from a standpoint, uh, a customer is buying a burger. That's that's what they're doing. They're buying a burger. They're buying something that they will or will not use, whatever it is, and they don't care. It's usually low-value, high-number of transactions. Correct, but that's kind of sometimes – Insurance. Yeah. But it's so from that standpoint, yes, customers really they are the driver in these these relationships. Whenever we've created a market that frankly has commoditized insurance. Yeah. And that's that's where I think a lot of this part of this article goes, is that these are customers that are just you know, they're just buying buying when that what they need, they're forced to do all that. And the delineation really needs to come down into client is that who owns the client relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's a much different conversation because the client is a relationship. That's someone that you have um, an ongoing relationship with, even if they are not a customer of yours. Right. Um, They can be a client that you are building and budding or maintaining or trying to revive a relationship and they can – I mean uh, we have multiple – I have multiple people in the industry that are not our customers, but I still talk to them. I engage with them, and I hope to win them back right. at some time. And so that's a very critical part of that. Well, I think part of the struggle is that the clients themselves don't always know where the lines are drawn between carrier and agent. Yes. Right? The handoffs are not clear. They're, they're not sure what is the agent's responsibility, what is the carrier's responsibility. And whenever the experience is disappointing and the, the lines are very muddy, neither the carrier nor the agent wins in that situation. Correct. And I think – I heard someone speak. I'm not going to name names. I heard them speak last week in Boston. And they were running a bunch of analytics on their their products and all that, and they were saying that carriers owe them more more carriers owe agents more money. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go down this path. I'll let you let you talk on it. And what he said was that because carriers often ask agents to do follow up work on a policy, like. Take a picture of a the the property, or you know, oh well, uh, what what is the type of roof? Can you find out what type of roof is that? And instead of the carrier outreaching to the client to do that, directly the agent, they do it through the agent. And he goes, "That's that's money that's taken out of our pocket because we're having to do this service work." 
And I'm like, what you are admitting and what you are saying is that that customer is now exclusively the carrier's customer. And that's very detrimental. And I didn't raise my hand. I just kind of let, let them go. But that is extremely detrimental because you're admitting that you have no value. Your value is a salesperson. Your value is the person at McDonald's that takes your order, gives you your food, and you're out the door. That's your value whenever you're like, oh, well, once I sell the policy, the carrier needs to service every bit of it. That's a customer. Yeah. That makes you an order taker, and that's it. What you need to do is you need to, as an independent agent, own the client experience. Soup the nuts. Come to me if you have any problems because if you place them with a carrier and that carrier you know, does phenomenal service, there's a big chance that you lose that customer to that carrier right? long term. <clears throat> but if you maintain an ongoing client relationship with the customer and you hold their, their trust – as a trusted advisor, and you're able to push them to this business, to that business, to that carrier, this carrier, and you're able to control all of those facets. And one day, let's say you don't like that carrier anymore because they cut your commission, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden they come around the, the bend and they're like, well, well, I need to do a book roll. And then you go to the client trying to roll them off of it. And they're like, no, I love this carrier. They've treated me great. I haven't heard from you at all since this has gone on, you know? Right. So, and then what was very interesting is I was actually sitting next to a carrier during that discussion. And I'm like, so you, they're lead providers for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they, and, and, the, and the carrier was like, yeah, it kind of sounds like it. It's like they want us to, you know, a fire and forget situation. We sell it. Oh, we're good. I, I, I think that that's a real problem, and I would I would detest working with any organization that actually does that. My you know, does that to me. Right. I spend a lot of time giving someone money for something that I don't. I'm forced to buy that I hope I never use. That frankly is a pain in the butt to deal with. I built a relationship with you, and then the second that you get you sell me, you're like, oh well, you got to call the carrier for that. You got to call the carrier for that. Oh, Mister Carrier, I don't care. You need to do that. You need to do all this. That's that's. Then why did I call you in the first place? Yeah, that's wiping their hands of the relationship, and I think it's very, very detrimental. And I think it's the wrong message to say. Yeah, I mean, I've been very lucky in that I haven't had a claim event. And uh, when was the last time? I think six, seven years ago now, mm-hmm. and that was with my old agent. So with my current agent, I've never had an opportunity to be like, oh, I need a, to make a claim on my policy. So I've never gone to them. I've never had to go to the carrier directly. So I don't know how my current agent would handle it, but I would, ho- I would hope that they would give me advice and help walk me through that process and not just say, call the carrier. But you, you have a great agent, it I sounds do. like. I do. I do. I love my I love my uh, agent because I I never remember when renewal is, but I always get it's time for renewal. Here's what do, I did. Do you, do you are you switching carriers often? No, no. You still with the I same switched carrier. this year. <laughs> we talked about switching, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, last week was it? Last week we talked about yeah. switching. Um, I did switch carriers this year, but prior to that, I had been with the same carrier for exactly four or five years. And were you a ha- question? I'm, I'm, 
I'm teeing this up <laughs> is, uh, did you, uh, were you happy with that care? Well, like I said, I never, I had a claim event. I had no reason to have an experience right. with the carrier. They directly. communicated with you. Well, they kept you they, apprised. They never of your policy. communicate with me. I, I got my policy paperwork in the mail and that was it. Okay. Right. I never heard from the carrier, but you heard from the agency. I heard from the agency. And so if, that carrier, you only heard from that carrier maintaining the relationship. Who who do you feel that that who who was your carrier? Who was your insurance provider at that point? You probably would have been the carrier, exactly. But that's why I switched my agent to begin with. Whenever I did that, what six five six six years ago, um, because I never heard from my agent ever. Well, this one now I hear from. Correct. Nah. Yeah. Um. There you go. There you go, listeners. My point proven through modern consumer, <laughs> modern millennial consumer. So so he goes on to argue that it's expeditious for carriers to focus on the parts of the customer experience they clearly own, right? Because there are parts they do. Of course. Um, Cla- um, you know, claims, payments, stuff like that. Right. Well, they might not be the most important ones to customers or the areas that have the greatest opportunity, even though they might not have the – be very important to customers or – an opportunity for competitive differentiation, but it's neither practical nor prudent for carriers to ignore elements of the customer experience that are owned or uh, administered, <laughs> if you will, by their agents. La di da. He's got he's got uh, expeditious or um, yeah, he uses big words. <laughs> Twenty five cent words, as my English teacher would say. <laughs> um, I usually have to get a couple pennies changed for my words. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's, he's asking the question, how can a carrier, particularly one that goes, you know, has a distribution model of independent agents, uh, insert themselves into the aspects of the customer experience that are administered by the agents? How can they propagate customer experience best practices beyond its own offices and into those of the agents where yeah. the brand perce- perceptions, both of the agent and the carrier, are formed? And it's, it's tricky. It is tricky because you're starting to step in where I would as an agency saying, you know, this step is off. This right. is my world. This is my business. And that's his, his his comment is agency owners often see themselves as entrepreneurs. This is my business. And they, they do own that business. But because of the four-legged stool, because of all these other things, it's not a clear this part is mine, this part is yours. Correct. Yeah, I, I in that's why I've always told carriers whenever I talk, I'm like, listen, <clears throat> they are the agent's clients. If I'm going to go ahead and be put my hey, Laird is speaking from where he wants is that we we thrive upon independent agents. That's that's where ITC's business model is built upon. Right. So we need independent agents. So. Whenever income end of the day comes, I'm really focused on making sure agents are doing what they're doing. And I tell carriers all the time, don't try to dictate the process. Facilitate it. Help them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So he does give some tips for carriers when if they're if they want to try to help their agents, you know, improve the uh, the customer experience. So acknowledge the fact that you don't you share that ownership. Right, that it, that you you have this muddy water between the agents and the carriers. That's that's a great point because some carriers feel that they exclusively own the client, and some agencies feel they they own it. And it is it is as they said shared. Yeah, the customer shared. The client is owned by the agency, in my my opinion. Right, um, and then make the business case for action for improving 
it, right? Help them understand why it would be important to make changes. Educate and equip them. Be open to feedback, right? And then co-create the experience. So work with them to create the customer experience. Yeah, we, we've talked about it before. Hanover did, does a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. Is creating, you know, looking at personas and understanding the how that consumer works with them. And but they're very driven on the independent agent, trying to bring value, trying to maintain that. Because I was speaking with a CEO of a carrier. Won't name names. And I, I was like, Look well, at you, big shot. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm speaking with CEOs. Um, it's um what he said is that oh well now i i don't find you know my competitor is geico i'm like interesting i'm like middle of the meeting (laughs) let's talk about this (laughs) (laughs) i would love to see your your opinion and they you know, they were saying, hey, you know, Geico is our main competitor. That's who we're worried about. That's who we're targeting. And I'm like, you can't think like that. You need to be who you are. You are not a Geico. Your name is not Geico, I can assure you. Right. But if you took the marketing budgets of every independent agent and what they could afford to spend, you would have a marketing budget bigger than Geico by a long stretch of margin. Right. And what we need to do is if all the carriers and all the agents actually put their money in a big old pool and said, hey, and this is what I guess Trusted Choice was tempting to do. But again, there's no ownership of that experience through and through. Right. So people didn't buy into it. However, if everybody did collectively do it, then they would outspend every single carrier out there that's going direct. They don't. But those little dollars can really help agencies succeed and do more. Yeah. But, you know, I think they need the support and the leadership of their carrier partners, too. They do. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. Last week was fun in Boston. I You have to rub that in, don't you? I was in Boston. You were not. Yeah, I know. It, 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 was, it was some really good conversations. It was there for a... Um, IA tech summit that was directed towards independent agents. And I was there for insure tech Boston. And then there was the big eye, big show that was there going on. For the big eye in Massachusetts. It was, a, it was a long week started on Sunday, ended on Saturday effectively. Yeah. And, um, but, um, it, it's, it's really neat that got to see and talk to a lot of people while I was there and really see that there's some passion that is brewing right now. I think there's there's not a lack of passion in this industry. Correct. But I actually see it brewing. I think it's changed. I think more younger blood has come into the industry as mm-hmm. over the past five years. And we're starting to see some energy jump into the, the industry. Yeah. It's exciting. And also more podcasts that we have to compete with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, who's the insurance nerds or something like that? Um, they've been around for a while i know they they were recording at insuretech boston yeah i did see that they were they were recording there i, I was gonna i was gonna jump in 
And then I was like, you know what? I've, I I was worn out. And like people have been saying, hey, you, you just seem worn out. I'm like, I'm just busy. Like I'm, I'm traveling a lot. I'm doing a lot. You're not traveling that much I, compared to past years. I know, but I, I'm, I'm traveling quite a bit. And then what had happened was we went from a, a meeting and then I was dumped right into a room with like 500 people. And my my alcohol level wasn't at a at a level that allowed me to instantly jump into that. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right, I, I need to go grab a drink. And they were only serving wine and oh. and really high end beer, like you know, not your McLeod Ultra. There, there was no chick beer. There was no <laughs> there was no there was no bourbon or anything. And so I was sitting there and I'm like, you know what? There's so many people. It's like packed and everybody's running around. And I was like, you know what? I just need to go find a local Boston bar. <laughs> and so um, we went to a, a local Boston bar and we watched uh, the World Series. And uh, at the end of that, I was like, I want to go back. <laughs> I want to go back. I'm like, I'm, you know, all of a sudden I was back to energize because it's just long days. And then your time zone different. Bah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, dear listeners, what do you think about this great debate in insurance about who owns the customer. Do you agree that it's more about the experience than the customer itself? Or do you think it's full of shit? <laughs> this is an episode <laughs> where brought to you by the letter S because we've used it a few times. <laughs> uh, hit us up on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricksford. You can tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour or post on LinkedIn. We're both places. Wow. And uh, subscribe. We're in all the apps. <laughs> we're there. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if we're not in your favorite podcast, app, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so we can actually go like, how, how do I subscribe to this one? Oh. Yeah. Uh, and I'll put all the links to the articles in the show notes. I love getting asked if we actually drink, if we're actually, we, we <laughs> that is probably our most often asked yeah. question. And then, um, how do you come up with topics? And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you do on occasion. Yeah. On occasion. And half the, half those times you're like, yeah, we're headed on our list for three weeks. <laughs> and also, is that really how y'all interact? Yeah. Yeah. yeah except, except you've been grumpy with me lately. I've been grumpy with you. Yeah. Just, just. I, I, I keep throwing stuff on you. Like like this week, I you know, I was like, hey, I want this go out, you know, Wednesday. Oh, that it, was no, – I know, no. but it was like – But no, no. I've not been grumpy with you. You've been grumpy not with been, me specifically, just in general. <laughs> I walk into your office and I'm like, well, this is going to be a short conversation. You've clearly got other things doing. <laughs> and people it's, – it's funny. People have realized that if I have music going, it's – don't, prob- don't disturb him. You're probably not going to get a lot of interaction from me. Yeah, I, at least I, at least I understand it. That's you realize it. Yeah, that's that's the the hardest thing for me is that when someone starts getting in my office and they're they're talking and I, I, I feel myself moving back to my monitor and I have to like snap back like a typewriter, like. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm done with the conversation. I'm sorry. You can leave now. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, are you still talking? I didn't know you. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. The hardest part is that I don't mean to be a jerk, but that comes off as kind of dickish. And and I'm I, not going to disagree. And and I, I, I'm aware of it, and I try to work on it. But 
it's way my mind has always been wired as as a kid and everything. It's that ADD that that really comes through. It's like, all right, I'm done. I've I've already moved on, and my brain's already thinking. All right, well, it's uh, been a great episode. <laughs> it's been really fun. <laughs> you know, I usually do that. It's been real. It's been fun. Can't say it's been real fun. <laughs> you know, all that. But uh, this has definitely been a good episode. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. I did have to translate for you yesterday. Oh, you really? Yeah. Well, how's that? You you were giving somebody some some direction on what you wanted to happen, and they were trying to get clarification. When you were like, yeah, 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 and you walked out, and they were like, I'm still confused. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, do this, then do that. Okay. <laughs> you need a decoder ring to understand me half the time. <laughs> I was like, I speak layered. It's, it's cool. <laughs> There, I mean, you know, ninety ninety eight percent of the time, I can I can translate. There are some occasions where I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's uh, he's gone the full gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. I should add that on my LinkedIn skills. I speak clear. <laughs> I'll pay you if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs>